Now, if I stand corrected, I believe one of one of the greatest movies of all time might be on Peacock. I believe I think uh, they they might have a oh, Shrek film on Peacock. There, oh, okay, I'm like, uh oh, I'm scared. Where's this going? And you you are correct, sir. I believe. If I didn't own the ultimate like eight movie collection Shrek Blu-ray <laughs> set, I think I think that would get me over to Peacock. Oh man, yeah, but, yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah. It's a movie toasty show. Here for you, Dennis and Adam joke about orgasms and sweet movie reviews. We'll talk about TV too, right? I, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Movie toast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 70 of Movie Toast Movie Reviews, the podcast that we give you mediocre reviews. Thanks for checking us out. Dennis, can you believe that we hit 14,000 downloads uh, as of the other day? Yes, sir. I can believe 14,000 downloads. And you know why? Because we don't give mediocre reviews. We give you excellence. We give you excellence on Movie Toast. Golden brown deliciousness is what we have here, sir. You have faith in what we deliver, the listeners. <laughs> Oh boy, oh, that 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 is that is some some smooth <laughs> line that you got there, Dennis. Oh boy, did did you get a chance to check out the uh, new Godzilla vs Kong trailer that dropped today? Oh shit, no, I hadn't got to that yet, man. Now now you got me uh, all hyped and excited. I got to go fucking watch that thing after we're done here. Oh man, yeah, I'd be intrigued to see what you think about that. But we can talk about that another day. Um, yeah, and you have a new couch to watch some movies on, so that's that's exciting. right. Yes, sir. All right, well, uh, as you know, in the past, we've done some polls, and uh, we've taken a little break from them. But I got two tonight, Dennis. couple of hot two. polls. You ready to strap in for some polls? Yeah. Well, one's kind of an older poll, but I'm excited to get it out there. Oh. Some might be 99 years old. Hey, you know what? Polls still got yeah. it. I don't know. I got nothing. I was trying. Fe- there's something in there. You know. Come on. Uh, you were I mean, so was- like, you were spitball, and you're like, you know what? And I'm like, Ooh, what? It's gearing up for something that I had I was not ready for, so I, I apologize. Swing and a miss, sir. That's all good. So this first poll I have uh, was from, I guess, at the point of this episode being released. I put out about three weeks ago when it was Betty White's 99th birthday. Ooh. I wanted to know what people's favorite movie out of the following four Betty White movies they like the most out of, let's see here, Lake Placid, <laughs> Ponyo, The Proposal, and Toy Story 4. Oh, that's right. She was funny in the proposal. Okay, I think that would be my yeah. answer. Proposal. She was great. I'm with you on that. I loved her in proposal. Yeah. All right. So surprisingly, zero percent went to Toy Story Four. Oh, no love for the story. I would have thought that would have been like second. Damn. All right. Yeah. Me too. Shit. Um, second place. There's a tie for the Studio Ghibli anime mm. Ponyo. Makes sense. And for the uh, aforementioned movie we both uh, talked about, The Proposal. Oh, okay. 50% went to Lake Placid. I don't know why it blew my oh. mind. I'm like, I never even saw Lake Placid, but people love it, apparently. <laughs> Betty White taking care of them gates. Have you, did, did you see Lake Placid? I think I've seen parts of it, but it's been so long. Now I have a reason to go rewatch it. Apparently, it's everyone's favorite Betty White movie, so <laughs> it's, yeah. worth, it's worth revisiting. It's sad. Like, when I was looking, there wasn't a whole bunch of Betty White movies. I'm like... Man, too bad the Golden Girls never got their own movie oh. or the Golden Palace got a movie. I'm like, ah, I love that. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was going to say, cause she's, she was a queen of the TV screen. I would think, Oh, dude. you know, from such an early age, like I listened to an audiobook, one of many, she has so many uh, autobiographies on herself. She's been working so fucking hard for so long and oh, it God, shows, yeah. man. She, she's pretty solid. Oh yeah. The second poll I have here this week, I'm reviewing a movie that comes out tomorrow as of the date that this episode posts a new Apple TV plus movie called Palmer starring Justin Timberlake. So I wanted to know if anybody out there in our fan base were looking forward to this movie. And here's the options I gave them. Yep. Nah, I only like Justin's music and that NSYNC guy acts. Oh, there was, there was a lot of, a lot of answers to this. I was shocked for a second. I kind of pictured a wood ax that maybe was styled to resemble NSYNC. It's just vaguely uh, resembles Justin Timberlake and his NSYNC days <laughs> on a on a forest axe. But I know that's not uh, what you were speaking of. Interesting no, but I do like that. Right, yeah. So uh, apparently everyone out there knew that Justin Timberlake axe. Sure. Zero percent. Then six uh, percent said, nah, I don't care about that movie. Wow. Fucked up. Oh, the, well, OK, yeah. I'm surprised. Well, though. that's why I'm assuming maybe they knew what it was. And they're like, nah, I don't care about that shit. Either way, they said, nah. 12% went to, I only like Justin's music. Oh. And then 82% said, yeah. Oh, of course. Okay, yeah. I am definitely siding with the majority for sure. I'm getting around to that one eventually. But we'll be hearing about it a little bit, a little bit tonight. Yeah. So. yeah, that's a hook right there. So stick around to hear my review of Apple TV Plus's original film, Palmer. Find out whether you should sign up for Apple TV Plus or keep your subscription if you already got one. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk some movies. You, Hell yeah. Do you want to talk some movies, Dennis? Sure. All I right, mean, cool. since we're here, we might as well. So I'm going to I'm gonna start us off if that's cool with you. Yeah, hit it, man. All right, cool. So up first, I got this flick called Synchronic, which is a sci-fi movie about two paramedics in New Orleans. One's played by Janie Dorman. The other's played by Anthony Mackie. The first act, we see these two paramedics responding to a bunch of calls where people are overdosing or getting injured using this new street-legal synthetic street drug called Synchronic. In the beginning, the calls are a little, little bland, a little boring. But in between the calls, we get to know the two paramedics. We find out that they're lifelong best friends. Dornan has a wife, a high school-age kid, and a, a newborn child. Mackie, however, is a bachelor who just found out he got diagnosed with cancer. So it's a little tough, but he's not telling anybody. Mm. A little bit into the movie... The guys show up to a call where there's one high schooler who died in overdose from Synchronic and another girl's like kind of tripping and messed up. But the one that's still living tells them that there was another person there with them. It turns out that other person was uh, Jamie Dornan's daughter, uh, but she's gone missing. Nobody can find her at all. Things get a little kind of hairy after that. While they're there, Anthony Mackie finds like this little memento that he gave her as a birthday gift recently but it looks kind of like it's been destroyed and tattered through like it looks like it's like hundreds of years old at this point it's all fucked up and he thinks that's a little strange which yeah it kind of is since he just gave her this thing so at this point in the movie it kind of splits off into two separate movies following each guy by themselves we see Dornan with his wife played by Katie Alliston she plays uh, Jenny MacArthur over on the league mm. I say over on the league like it's still on TV uh, <laughs> on that show the league and the couple are kind of coping with trying to find their missing daughter. But on the flip side, we got Anthony Mackie, who is like dealing with the fact that he has cancer. It's a little more intriguing, his story, because he goes out and buys all the synchronic that is left in the city. 
and he decides to take some and he records himself on it in case something happens to him. He wants people to know what happened because of the drug. But when he does this, he finds out that he's transported to another time. He realizes that depending on where you take this pill, you'll go to different points in time and you're kind of in the same city. You're still in New Orleans, but in different periods. It's oh, kind of trippy. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, All right. So like the first time he goes back in time, he's kind of back in like the Ice Age. Then another time he goes back, he's like maybe in the 50s or so. And uh, another time he goes back, he's like in like the middle of a, like a war. So, so many different times. And like he's documenting this. So he decides I'm going to go back and hopefully try to find my partner's daughter gets pretty trippy and kind of fun to watch that all in all this movie is original it had a great set pieces it had great cgi trippy elements some of the acting was slightly mediocre here and there but i'm gonna give synchronics two and a half slices of toast okay. i rented it at Redbox. you can find it pretty much on any vod platform i don't know why every time i say vod it comes out like staggering i'm like v yeah i just want to let you guys know i know some reason i say vod very weird i'll just say video on demand platforms from here on out we we love you for you man you just do you i will do me so uh what do you got up tonight dennis what's your first flick my first one is one that's been sitting on my watch list for a minute that i've been meaning to get around to and it always just kind of sounded intense so i kind of kept putting on it but so you know what it's time to see harry potter do some scary shit so we went into uh, watch Imperium from 2016, and I believe we caught that on Hulu. Yes. Oof. Now, uh, we had watched the trailer. It's, that's kind of a classic move for trying to pitch my wife a movie to watch is, oh, let's, let's see the trailer. Let's check that out. And that was just right away. It's like, oh, man, all right. It's an intriguing story. Let's see what it's like. Imperium is about a uh, FBI agent who's been tasked with trying to establish a connection with a extreme right-wing radio host who has a broad white supremacist following in the United States. They've got word that there might be some terrorist activity occurring from within this white supremacist group that he's supposedly attached to. And Daniel Radcliffe's character is an FBI agent who's been identified as being very relatable and a very easy person to talk to. So they've given him the assignment of going undercover into the white supremacist group in order to try to establish communication and see what they could be up to and see if there's any like very serious they're trying to avoid like another Oklahoma City bombing which they were confident mm. could be coming. Brutal. Even right now with the way things are in the world, like this movie felt so real watching it. It got it got hard to get through a few scenes. There's there's some times where in order to keep his cover, he's got to say and do some fucked up stuff that is huh. hard to forgive, but you're kind of like, well, otherwise he, he might have been killed and what good could have come from the work he was doing would all be lost, so he has to commit. And you just, oh God, I don't, I don't even want to like talk about talk about that is too much. Uh, but no, no, that's good because you're and, literally leaving us off on a hook. I'm intrigued, honestly, by what you're saying and not telling me everything. I like that. This unflinching look of just like you know this horrible thing is about to be said or about to be done, and you aren't gonna look away. It's just ha- it keeps playing out in front of you. And then there's these moments where Daniel Radcliffe's character is like he's there with these people. And he himself is having the same reaction. And you could just see the look on his face of just, oh, my God. And and the only thing he can do is just kind of nod his head or agree, obviously, up to a certain point until he starts finding something potentially credible. He starts making connections with people that are like, you know, hey, these are some scary folks. 
Uh, it's one thing just to have ideas and to say some terrible things, but there, there is a little crew that uh, let, lets it be known. We we like to take action. We like people to know, quote unquote, what they are fighting for. And that is what just gets horrific. Hmm. The, seeing what people believe in. So the redeeming quality is what good can be brought from bringing this to light and what can Daniel Radcliffe's character do to try to undo what's being created. As he gets closer and closer, things start getting revealed. He starts getting close to this radio DJ that, although he's saying these horrible messages, you start to find out maybe he's not who he seems to be. And maybe the information being spread isn't necessarily 100% correct information. Maybe we're making some things up to try to stir a pot and get listeners and things like that. But uh, some of it, some of it is very, very real. So trying to boil it down and get to, all right, what evidence is is fact and what is just hearsay? It, it's an interesting trek. It's an interesting journey. Uh, Tony Collette plays like his handler, the Ooh. agent uh, in charge of him and who he touches base with. And she does a killer job. And she is clearly this like weathered agent that has, she's seen the shit. She knows it's out there. Mm. She, there's The reason why he's been tasked to this is because she just has this gut feeling of this is real. All this is going to happen. And if she were, if you know, if she were younger and she were at the peak of her career, she probably would have been tackling this herself. But she understands how involved and how intense this world becomes as an undercover agent and chose him for this very specific reason. And it, it's, I like the dynamic that they have between uh, Radcliffe and Colette because they're, they bond over this, oh my God, we have to keep staring back into the face of the devil and just pretending like we're acknowledged, you know, we're going with it just so we know we can do some good. So intense, intense movie, not to be taken lightly. I gave this a view on Hulu, I believe, and I'm going to give it also two and a half slices. It was, nice. it was still a very solid film. The acting was very intense, but dear God, is it, it was kind of hard to get through some of it. For the best reasons, in that they actually they they delivered what was happening. I, I felt sick to my stomach, but it's they evoked that they they struck a feeling. So while while I recommend its viewing, I don't recommend it for everyone, and that's really the only reason why I kind of knock knock a few notches off of it. Some of the background cast, the other characters, I don't think are quite as strong actors. It was mm. it very much felt like we we put a lot of our focus on our main. People, Daniel Radcliffe, Tony Collette, Nestor Carbonell is in it. He's a face you might recognize. I believe he was the mayor of Gotham City, the first Christopher Nolan Batman, if I remember, if I'm getting that huh, correctly. There's a few faces that you'd recognize that kind of just sit back in the movie, but you see some. A couple of the people playing white supremacists, I feel like maybe we just got people who are willing to say this dialogue rather than <laughs> the absolute uh. best cast. But don't let that knock any points down from Daniel Radcliffe's performance. He killed it. Stellar. He's not just Harry Potter. Mm. <laughs> but I think we all know that already. But yeah, Imperium. Yeah. That's that's that one, man. <laughs> Thank you. I've been honestly, I've been so excited about that movie. And it's been on like Amazon and Hulu for a while, but I've never gotten to it. So I'm happy to hear that it's good. Hopefully I'll be able to check that out sometime and Enjoy it like you enjoyed it. Man. Oh, yeah. I, I just recommend it's one of those you need a palate cleanser afterwards. Watch an episode of something silly or, you know, y- your brain kind of needs mm. to shake off some of the darkness after. But I will Fair leave enough. that for my next review. We'll we'll even the things back Ooh. out. But what do you got next for us, Adam? 
I got another movie that's kind of like powerful and like about some heavy stuff, but it's not heavy like fucking skinheads or whatnot. I got this <laughs> flick called Our Friend. It's a drama about a husband and wife played by Casey Affleck and Dakota Johnson. Oh. And their carefree, fun-loving best friend play, played by Jason Siegel. Okay. The story jumps around to different years in their lives. We see them all become friends. But what the real story here is, it's about Dakota Johnson finding out that she has cancer. And how Jason Siegel uproots his entire life to help Casey Affleck take care of her and their two young daughters. Oh, man. This is apparently based on a true event. I guess it was like an article in like a magazine that the uh, husband wrote. It's a very deep and emotional movie. The acting is so fucking powerful. Everyone in this main cast of actors had me shedding some tears throughout the whole movie. It really reminded me how great a serious actor Jason Siegel can be. Because, like, we all know him as, like, from How I Met Your Mother and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. But he's really a strong actor in this. I got to say, this movie is delightful. My only flaw is the unlinear editing structure they have. It's a little odd and off-putting at moments, but over time, you kind of get used to it. So I'm going to give our friend three and a half slices of toast. Oh, I saw it at a movie theater, but it's available to rent uh, for a premium on most video on-demand platforms for $20. Okay, interesting. Oh, now this yeah. this sounds like something up my alley, sir. I, I'm very intrigued by this, especially with that cast. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah the cast is like, I, 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 and Casey Affleck is also, I'm like, I forgot how great he is. He was in that Manchester by the Sea movie, which he was great. And like, he's so good. And Dakota Johnson, I, I've never really seen her play like a mother figure or something like that. And I liked her. And these two young girls that play their daughters. Oh, they're also great. Yeah. I, I can't say enough good things about this movie. Is it worth $20 to rent? I don't know. I saw the movie for $10 at a matinee showing. But I will say it's definitely worth checking out if it's ever available to you. And you're in the mood for a little bit of crying and a little bit of laughing. Okay, nice, man. No, I yes, you sold me on yet another. That sounds like some good stuff, dude. Yeah. So you said you kind of had a little palate cleanser yourself. Oh, yeah. uh, For your next movie. Well, we'll lighten it back up just a hair, just a touch. This is honestly one of my favorite films (laughs) from my childhood. I believe I might have mentioned it in a toasty talk previously. This is is the 1992 comedy Wayne's World, based on the SNL skit made famous by the same same characters, same name, created by Mike Myers, also starring him and Dana Carvey, as well as Rob Lowe and Tia Carrere. Woo! Directed by Penelope Spheris. If the name sounds familiar, it's for, for a reason. She's been around a minute, but she actually got to direct that film, the 90s Beverly Hillbillies movie, The Little Rascals. You've probably, if, if you grew up in the 90s, you've probably seen one of her films. Oh, yeah. Wayne's World, for those uninitiated, tells the story of Wayne Campbell, the guy who, he stars in a cable access show with his best friend, Garth Algar, in Aurora, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) It takes place in the late 80s, early 90s, early 90s, obviously, that era of rockers, heavy metal, this underground rock clubs, the shit like that. He's kind of low rent, though. He's He lives at home with his parents, which he admits is both bogus and sad. But in reality, he's just doing what he needs to do to get a show made. At least that's how I see it. The guy produces the show in the <laughs> basement of the house. So it's like he's making his own sacrifices for his art. That's that's what I see. He and his buddies go to this club. They see this beautiful girl played by Tia Carrere, who's the lead singer of her kick-ass band, Crucial Taunt, and immediately falls head over heels over 
tries picking up on her. There's another dude in town who's, he sees Wayne's World, the, the TV show, as a means of selling ad space to this guy who's looking for a place to generate ads for his new arcade in Chicago and or the greater Illinois area, whatever whatever they classify it as in the stupid commercial you see within the movie. Um, and of course, our characters' paths cross over when the evil TV producer guy is also <laughs> trying to seduce Cassandra as well as Wayne trying to get her attention. They're at odds. Of course, we're all trying to attract the attention of the pretty girl. The, sh- the program goes at risk. Goes at risk. The show, Wayne's <laughs> World, is, is um, threatened with uh, legal action and the threat of it getting shut down. The relationship between Wayne and Garth is strained through creative differences. Things just start falling apart all around Wayne until he takes action and takes his life back. Mm. But you gotta, you gotta check this one out. If you honestly have not seen Wayne's World by now, but you were grew up in the '90s, or you're a fan of like the SNL sketch features that were just getting banged out around this period of time, really gotta check this one out. Still one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorite comedies. Period. It is very interesting. They just it's edited very well to me. It moves at a really solid pace. It's shot interesting. It has that very '90s flavor I like visually on camera, and I love that they kind of mix styles in. There's even this really comical scene where they're talking about not giving into the man and not like <laughs> and, and not accepting money for advertisements and stuff. Product placement. Oh, yeah, product oh, placement. And scene. everything, every shot in the coverage with uh, Wayne and Garth is just product Doritos, Pizza Hut, uh, Pepsi, Nuprin, a, a medication that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, that, that, that scene always sticks out in my head. Just how perfectly he displays it. Up. Oh, yeah. This movie, I'm with you, dude. I loved it. It was on all the time as a child on like HBO. Can't can't see enough of it. I haven't seen it in years, dude. So I'm happy to hear it still holds up. It sounds like absolutely. It genuinely does. It's hard to find something bad about to say other than you know it's by today's standards. It gets a little misogynistic and uh you know i i guess it's speaking of the time it came from not nearly as bad as what it could have been that's for sure at least wayne is a respectable individual even if he is an old party rocker that's just trying to make his tv show like there's so many endearing qualities especially out of all the main characters the rest of their tv crew funny group of guys i love seeing the hijinks they get Mm -hmm. into so many quotable scenes uh you can just like speak in lines from this movie i'm gonna give it as Three and a half slices. You know, fuck it. No, this is going to be one of my fours. I'm saying Wayne's World, for me, is a four slicer because this is just one of the best comedies I've ever seen. It's one of my absolute favorites. They're not afraid to jump all over the place. I I love that it has that SNL flair. Great film. This, This is going to join the ranks for me of comedy perfection. All right, yeah, I'm with you. Let's put that one in the pantheon here. Let's put that as the movie toast. One of the tops, one of the greatest. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Awesome. It's up on the shelf. Yeah. I love it. Put that case away. Hey, you know who's the villain in the, in the sequel, Wayne's World 2, right, Dennis? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I want to It's like, I want to say. Our, our oh, buddy. my God. Yes. You. I remember <laughs> who, who the villain, who the villain is. He didn't have to uh. ship a watch up his ass. He just. <laughs> he just had to throw. No, he didn't have to throw a concert. That's fucking Garth and Wayne. No, he was against Wayne uh, Wayne Stock. Right. Oh, man. Who's going to be at Wayne Stock? <laughs> Headlining. Let's find out from the naked. <laughs> oh, boy. 
God, man. Now I want to watch those fucking movies, man. The, the classic. Oh, yeah. Uh, they are and, excellent uh, films. And <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. I don't know why I'm just like, I'm going to bring up the walks. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to change tones here a little bit. I'm going to shift a bit. I watched a modern day B movie shot in the vein of like an 80s slash 90s kid movie. However, oh. this movie is not suitable for kids. This movie I speak of is called PG Psycho Gorman. <laughs> it's about a brother and sister who can't be much older than like 10 or 11. They accidentally dig up a powerful amulet that awakens a deadly monster from another planet. This monster wants nothing more than to kill the siblings and destroy everyone and everything on Earth. The only snag is the amulet that the little girl possesses has power over the monster. It controls the monster. So this little girl is a bratty, sadistic son of a bitch. She controls the monster that she decides to name Psycho Gorman or PG for short. <laughs> he doesn't even like the name, but she's like, nope, that's your name. Got to stick with it. She has him use his powers on like a bunch of people. He turns a boy that she has a crush on into a gigantic animatronic brain that then follows them around. It's kind of cute. He kills people throughout the whole movie. And boy, oh boy, is this movie fucking gory for gore's sake. Yeah, you like when you're calling this movie Psycho Gorman, you're getting gore. <laughs> I hope so. Um, oh, yeah, it's super cheesy and way bonkers on purpose. Which is no easy feat. This filmmaker certainly nailed it. But the acting is subpar. But I, I, I can't help but wonder if that's because of the style they're going with. Um, the sets were kind of decent. The movie is certainly not for everyone. It's definitely a, a niche movie. I'll give PG Psycho Gorman two slices of toast. It's available to rent or buy on all video on demand platforms. However... It's cheapest rent on Amazon Prime, Ooh. I realize. Um, this movie, like, it's... I don't know how I heard about it, but I did somewhere, and I'm like... I watched the trailer, I'm like, oh, no, that, that's fucking stupid. Then I'm like, you know what? No, no, I get what they're doing here, and it was something. Will I watch this movie again? No. But does it have merits that I think people should check it out? Like, if, you, if you're if you a fan of these niche movies, like, definitely check it out. Okay. It's, it's a fun little one. Okay, world. yeah. So say, that sounds like it could be a fun, a fun viewing I uh, I'll uh, throw another one in there. I'm I'm going back to a little more serious though. This was this this oh. is the deeper, darker neck of the woods. Depending on how you're looking at it, I guess the last film was a little more based in reality. This one is a realistic world that is interesting. We're we're looking at it through an interesting lens. I'm bringing to you a review for the film. I'll make you a martyr. This film also comes from 2016. Um, this is starring Marilyn Manson, Mark Boone Jr., Sam Quartin, Ni oh. uh, Nico Nicotera. Michael Potts, William Lee Scott. There's, God, there's a bunch of recognizable faces and names throughout the film. But that first group alone is a pretty solid cast there. Actually, uh, several of them were all cast members on Sons of Anarchy together. That's really what the thing my wife and I kept pointing out. It's like, oh, oh shit, there's this character. Oh, there's, there's this character. So Ratboy, if you, if you recall that character, he is our main guy in Let Me Make You a Martyr. So this film tells the story of two adopted children living in this small town south. I don't even recall if it's terribly specific as to where they are, but it's clear it's kind of out in the sticks. One of the adopted children who clearly has been out of town for a minute has just suddenly come back. And we were, uh, we were kind of upset with him, apparently, or at least whatever the standing structure of things was. He's picked up immediately by a couple other guys who 
know him from the past, but it seems there's some nefarious connection to some dark world. It's not really clear until we get to a couple scenes later that it's found out that they were part of dealing drugs. So after our main character gets picked up from coming back into town, we start to piece together he wasn't really doing some nice things, much less the guys who came to pick him up. And a couple of scenes later, you start to find out that they were all involved in selling drugs together, particularly heroin. There was some type of heroin ring huh. that had interconnected with a bunch of legitimate businesses. Their father, Mark Boone Jr., he's he's known in town. We know who this guy is. Mm. But he wants his, his son back. He needs to answer for some shit. The son is clearly upset by how some business went down. He's come back to settle things and look for his sister and try to help get her out. Come to find out, their brother and sister, only on paper by adoption, they're actually in love with each other. I don't like where this is going. They've oh, been boy. in love with each other for pretty much ever since they were adopted. It's That was kind of a weird way to turn it, but I'm like, okay, whatever, I guess. Um, I guess you're not actually related mm-hmm. to one another, but they care for one another, so there's that. Their father certainly doesn't, as he tries to have them killed multiple times, and including a very, very brutal scene where he witnesses his son raped in front of him uh, under his orders. And this is played out on camera. Oh, movie is brutal, man. It's And you don't really expect it to happen on camera because up until that point, you haven't seen any violence occur on screen. It all happens, like you see guns raised, you see the intent of violence about to happen, and then that's when we cut away to another scene. The editing is very interesting in the first half of the movie. I really dug it. It was really intense to keep seeing these moments. We keep building all this tension. You're about to see some shit crack off. And then we leave the scene and damn it, we, we missed it. But we usually come back later and we <laughs> see the result of whatever happened. And it's intense. You find out the main character used to be molested by two priests. He went and stole the money and heroin they had hiding in the church and shot and killed them. You finally meet his uh, his adopted sister, quote unquote. She just rescued this girl who had been held captive by some other heroin dealers. Oh, it is just, it is brutal. This is a dark, bad, bad town. Marilyn Manson, who's probably one of my favorite characters in the movie, just, he gives a crazy, crazy good performance that's just terrifying. I mean, the man is scary. I'm not just as Marilyn Manson, but I mean, in this movie, he is scary. Mark Boone Jr., who's a big, burly biker dude, who I have this impression of him being his own kind of scary, he he can't keep up in the scene with Marilyn Manson. This guy's wow. terrifying, and I can't. I would love to see him in even more stuff where he gets to play roles like this. Uh, he he's, he says a whole lot while saying very little on on screen, and when he does say things, they're just unsettling and cryptic, and just oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Like I'd mentioned before, the editing in the first half, really cool. Second half, it's like we started to drift. One of the things I noticed in the in the credits, the writer, director, story creator, and even uh, one of the editors are these is this team, uh, Corey Asraf and John Swab. Corey Asraf, I believe, is the one who also was one of the editors of the film as well. And it really starts to show. Like the fingerprints of way too much control are all over the end of this movie. And it's really where you kind of started uh. to lose me. It got weird for me in the back half. And as intense as the film was in the front and as dark and brooding as it was, we went a different direction in the end that I was kind of like, uh, I don't know. We, we pulled a punch right at, right at the back. So that's why for me, 
I'll make you a martyr is only going to be two and a half slices, which I still think is worth a viewing if you're ready for some gnarly stuff like this. A good crime drama that I'm going to tell you right now, we aren't going to walk away with a they lived happily ever after. I will I will tell you that much. But it is an interesting trip. It is also kind of a non-linear story that you're watching too. So kind of putting those puzzle pieces together of what goes where, that was honestly a lot of the fun of watching the movie. Nice. So it is worth that. But like, like you had said in the previous film, would I watch this again? Probably not. Not unless I'm trying to introduce a whole other group of people to watch it and they all, they all want to watch it. You know, that would be the only situation I would yeah. probably be cool with it. But now, uh, where, where did you check this one out? I, I'm actually kind of, oh, this one is actually on Peacock, um, which I've been very surprised by the interesting selection that they have over on that. Um, so I, I would encourage giving that a solid peruse. If you only got it to stream your office and get your office fix, check out that movie tab. I, in fact, I'm going to have a few other, uh, films that are going to go further back. Some from the sixties and seventies I've been wanting to check out that are over there. And I don't, I don't want right. to hint at too much but there is a there's a couple that have just i'm very intrigued by one being a crazy post-world war ii nazi hunter story so we'll see uh we'll see if i can get that one in for next week but no that, that's cool man I, i'm intrigued so it's called uh i'm gonna make you a I'll martyr make you is a martyr it's called yeah just to make your your search a little easier i don't want to accidentally throw you somewhere else but it's yeah, it's it's an interesting <laughs> cast. I really liked the performances we were getting up until we get some kind of this flowery indie movie wave that happens in the back half of the film. Yeah, but I'm good with it till we get there. So fair enough. Two and a half no, isn't too shabby. No, no, it's uh, worth watch. Uh, yeah, I'll roll yeah. With that. So yeah, as I uh, said in the header of the show, we had a screener from our friends over at Apple TV Plus for the new Justin Timberlake movie Palmer. After being released from prison, a man named Eddie Palmer goes to live with his grandmother, Vivian, played by the always delightful June Squibb. Vivian's a good, God-faring, down-to-earth woman who lets a junkie single mother, played by Juno Temple, raise her young feminine son, Sam. The two live in a trailer on her property. And the only reason she's letting them stay there is because she cares about the kid, Sam. Even kinder, when the junkie goes off on a bender, which happens pretty frequently, it sounds like. Vivian watches Sam and treats him like one of her own. One morning while Sam's staying with them, Vivian passes away in her sleep, which completely devastates Palmer, as you can imagine. Yeah. His grandmother, we find out that she kind of raised him. She was his mother figure. And so Palmer ends up trying to do right by Vivian, and he becomes a father figure to Sam. At first, Palmer's a little rude and kind of crude to <laughs> Sam because... The young boy wears girls' clothing, plays with dolls, and overall acts kind of like a little girl. But over time, Palmer realizes that Sam is happy and living the best right. life he can, so he kind of he feels like, hey, if this kid's comfortable acting this way, I, I'm going to embrace it. And if anybody gives this kid shit, he's going to definitely stick to his guns and stand right. up for him. And there's a pretty brutal scene where he beats the shit out of one of his lifelong friends because of something he does oh, to this God. little boy. This is like a really heartwarming movie, and Justin Timberlake gives what I like to call an award-winning performance. Okay. But even more impressive is the little boy that plays Sam. Kid's phenomenal. I don't know if he's acted before, but I could see good things coming later on down the line for this kid. Uh, the message of the film is uh, pretty powerful. The movie is a year long, but, you know, that's okay. Sometimes a long movie is not the worst. 
So yeah, that's uh, pretty much the only flaw I got with this flick. I'm going to get Palmer on Apple TV Plus, three slices nice. of toast. And you can check it out starting Friday, January 29th, exclusively on Apple TV Plus. Sweet. Yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot of bread. We fucking had a whole loaf of bread. But I mean, you want to talk about something else that might be a burnt piece of toast or possibly a decent I, piece of toast? And it's something in the TV I world. I don't know, man, because it's like. I don't know. I don't know what shade of toast. I don't know the doneness of this toast yet. It's like, I need to see more of the toast, but I don't know if I want to eat more of the toast, you know? Oh, I as cryptic that. as this yeah. is, if you if you follow our brand new TikTok channel, you'll see that we we aren't sure how we feel about WandaVision. Ooh. At least that's me. I don't know. That's yes. me, sir. What, what about you? Well, let's just set it off here, guys and gals. If you haven't seen WandaVision, or if you you don't want any spoilers, you might want to stop listening. Thanks for fucking listening. Uh, but if you don't mind, let's get into it. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I've watched all three episodes that are out there right now, but we're only going to talk about the yeah, first true. two. I dropped the ball. Um, I only, I've only got the first two under my belt. I haven't quite got to that third one, but we, we are going to do it. That's for it's sure. Oh, good. I'm intrigued, but I'm also a little hesitant, uh, mm. I think, as you are. I like the fact that it's it's jumping from, like, it's a 50s show to a 60s show. And I like the fact that we're seeing these two characters that have essentially, to me, been background characters mm-hmm. and not very important. And we're seeing them in a whole new life, which is kind of cool. I'm loving the fact that Paul Bettany as Vision is oh, fucking hilarious, yes. in my He's opinion. In this. And I like the fact uh, Elizabeth Olsen, she's giving it a go. I like the fact I realized back in Age of Ultron, which is one of my least favorite of the MCU. She had this fucking accent because they're from a made up country that I'm like, ah, I don't want to see any more of her, but now she's lost that accent. Now she has this wholesome all girl American accent. And it's like, all right, cool, cool. But I don't know. There's a lot of mystery built up and it's I like, don't know, Dennis, it, is it landing? It's like, I have to keep asking myself while I'm watching the show. It's like, okay, I'm questioning things. Oh, are you trying to tip a hint here? My wife and I are trying to come up with all these conspiracy theories of, Oh, maybe this is because this is some stimulus from coming out. And we're just like, at the end of the episode, I'm like, or none of it, or all of this analyzing we're yeah. doing is for nothing because we don't get tipped off anything. Well, it's like, I feel as intrigued as I am by like, what is going on? What is she perceiving in her mind? Why are we seeing this? There seems to be some outside influence in what's going on or trying to draw something out of her, but it's not clear how much control she may or may not have. Why is this the setting that we're in? And why is it being shown to us on a TV screen? And it's clear that someone's watching this. This isn't just her mind. Someone's observing her. So... Like you, I'm very intrigued by the mystery, but then you're sitting there watching 22 minutes of like sitcom Mm -hmm. format. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Ah. Like, and that's the thing there's, there's sitcom, but then there's like scenes where it just becomes brutally like intense and crazy. And it's like, what the fuck? And then, oh, let's throw a joke in here. Or I like the fact that they have these made up commercials. Like the first episode, I think you got like a toaster made by the Stark Industries. (laughs) It's kind of like, yep. Hydra's a watch. It's like, those are kind of cool. But it's like, all right, so the, the sum up here, if you don't know the MCU, I don't know why you're listening to this show. But, I mean, I assume everyone knows the MCU. But in the last couple of flicks, we got Infinity War and uh, fucking Endgame. Uh, and Vision, spoiler, if you haven't seen, like, the biggest movie of the fucking last couple of years, Vision is killed. And Vision is the guy playing Paul Bettany, who used to be Jarvis, the guy that talks to the suit in the world of Tony Stark. Him and fucking Scarlet Witch... Wanda, her name is, 
were kind of in the middle of that. They had a relationship. And so she kind of lost her mind, it seems like. And in this, we see that it's like a sitcom and her and Vision are in this like all wholesome American town. And they're hiding the fact that he's a robot. She's a witch. And there seems to be... There seems to be some nefarious things happening here. And we meet Catherine Hahn, who's a neighbor. Seems like she wants. I I love Catherine Hahn and pretty much anything she's in. She's stellar Mm -hmm. in this, too. (laughs) Yeah, I am with you on that. But the the big thing here, like Dennis says, we don't know what's going on. Like we see someone's watching a TV of this. They're actually the intriguing thing. I listened to uh, the director because one guy directed all the episodes. Apparently, the first episode they shot in front of a studio audience. So that's oh, actual weird. real laughter. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. And it's weird. Some of the times, and then after that, there's canned laughter. And sometimes they put the laughter in the weirdest spots. And it's kind of like the laughter is happening to a character, not at like a scene. And it's just so jarring. And, and it makes me think if this was not a Marvel show, would I watch no. it? No, I don't think are you I kidding would. Me? That's yeah. the only because what's funny is honestly there would be no intrigue because you don't have all this built up backstory. If you haven't watched a single Marvel movie and you just jump into this cold, I think it would be awful. It would be a horrible experience. Yeah. You'd be like, "What is th- like? Why do I care?" Uh, other than your motivation coming in to watch the show, there's no reason to care about these two characters whatsoever. They don't provide anything. Mm-hmm. It, all that lo- genuinely looks like is a guy who's trying to hold a job who's like magical or something. And then a lady who's a witch who's uh-huh. trying to be a stay at home wife. And she doesn't even know how to like be a person. Vision That's is true. a little bit more human than Wanda is. Wanda is like learning how to be a human. And again, it's like the mystery and intrigue is what keeps is what kept me going. But it's like there's no reward. I'm not getting no payoff. Yeah, I did really like that scene with Deborah Jo Rep. Uh, what's his name uh-huh. when he started choking and she she just kept like uh-huh. that was cre- that creeped me out and i loved that they had that strong reaction uh-huh. but then it never comes like we don't address it we leave it alone we slide on by you're building up this intrigue but then giving nothing at least give a tiny bit more give us a little bit of a morsel you know like e- even at least mandalorian you had a little bit more to savor for next week this yeah. one, I was just like, okay, that happened to my face. I guess we'll find out next time. So we're kind of dancing around a little bit. The first episode, we meet them. We learn in the intro song. There's always a different intro song. We learn that they're coming to this town. They just got this house. There's there's a date marked on the calendar that neither Scarlet Witch, uh, let's call her Wanda, or Vision know what the date means. And there's a heart. So they're like, I don't know. So Vision goes to work. We find out that it's really... A heart because his boss, uh, Mr. Hart, and his wife are going to be going over for a dinner at their house. But Wanda thinks that maybe it's an anniversary. So it's kind of wacky mix up of she's she's having a sexy night ready for him. But then the fucking boss and his wife show up when Vision gets home. Episode two, it's more of them trying to fit in with the town. Vision wants to join a neighborhood watch. At the same time, him and her are going to be in this big fundraiser talent show for the, for the kids which we never see the kids. kids they say it yeah. like 10 times too when so, they, it's for the kids for the kids mm-hmm. and and the crazy thing that that uh, at the end of that episode something happens and there's a reaction and uh, she's like nope and she like kind of snaps her finger or something and then we we reverse we rewind and then a happier ending comes in we see a pregnant stomach oh yeah yeah again in this world i don't what does that mean 
it, obviously that couldn't have occurred instantaneously. And she has some, she appears to have some influence over the world around her, but there clearly are a lot of mm-hmm. things she doesn't that the neighbors coming yeah. over and asking questions and like specific things. It is clear they're leading to trying to get her to say something, but she doesn't mm-hmm. even know what that is. Like, and we don't even know if they're good, if they're bad. It does build up a little more. I mean, I'm definitely strapping in for the third. Like, I know I'm watching the third one for sure. Okay. Then I will hold off. But um, I will say, when they the way they end the episode three, it's like, oh, fuck. Maybe the last, like, ten minutes, it's like, oh, shit, now they're digging deep. There's reference to a certain character from the MCU. Someone makes a comment that shouldn't have been made. We see that the neighbors are secretly, like, they kind of know what's going on, and they... Vision doesn't know, and they almost tip him off. I'm more intrigued what's going to happen in episode four, because if they pick up from the momentum that they had at the end of episode three, it could be good. But I don't know. I'm intrigued. They got me. But the thing that really gets me, this leads into Doctor Strange 2 and the the multiverse of madness, because she's going to be a character in there. So it's like something substantial has to happen at the end of this. I have like. And that's no, what I oh yeah, I do. I totally have. I mean, I know it's early on, and you have seen an episode more than I have. But just given the state of mm-hmm. what Wanda's abilities are, it's a natural connection for her to then have a, some type of story with Doctor Strange, in that there's mm-hmm. dimensions that they could explore that no other, or at least very few other characters, have the ability to explore with them. That's true. Magic in the MCU to me, is so much more powerful than technology at all. Well, that's that's what interview that um, Kevin Feige did. He said in the next phase four of the MCU is definitely hitting hard and magic, and they're, they're diving pretty deep into it. And I got to say, I did mention earlier that Wanda and Vision were kind of like secondary, tertiary characters that I didn't care much about. But I will say, I fucking... The, one of the best scenes, I think, in fucking the last flick was when fucking Wanda goes up to fucking Thanos and just destroys him. Like, cause he fucking killed the one love that she had in life. The way she did what she did to him, I was like, oh, fuck, I need more of this. So it's like, we finally got to see her and her full potential. And I think this is a little more of the madness that's going on. And it's just a ticking time bomb, I'm hoping. Well, shit. Then maybe we're reading it all wrong. Maybe it's the other way around. She's, they're trying to help, like, maybe she is in a coma and they're trying to help her out of it. It's could be, Maybe what if she's not being she's not being held captive, but it's 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 our it's her comrades trying to help her heal or something. Maybe yeah. There's so many avenues yeah. it can mm. go, and uh, we're we're a long ways That's away true. to find out. But uh, hopefully, yeah. I don't know. So overall, I'm liking it. I think a little more than you, but I'm still hesitant. Uh, yeah, it's well. like I, I'm I'm in it. Like I'm going. We're I'm gonna watch it. It's I it didn't hook quite as hard. I don't think. But uh, maybe, you know, maybe that'll develop with time. Maybe we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, hopefully next week you can check out episode three. And maybe we can talk about episode three oh, yeah. or four. I don't know. We'll see. Um, should we uh, wrap this bad boy I up? Think you think so. We served up a pretty, pretty good stack of toast over here. So let's let these folks uh, savor it. Find some, find some flicks. Ooh, yeah. Maybe you heard something here tonight you want to enjoy. And if, uh, if you did. You know where to find us. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, we got a Discord server, and you can check us out on our uh, Reddit page. 
all of these places are either movie underscore toast or movie toast news and reviews, which is basically YouTube. But go check us out there too. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, news and review, that one is also, that is also Facebook, Facebook as well. That's right. And as we mentioned last week, guys, head over to filmfreeway.com backslash movie toast the festival. That's once again filmfreeway.com backslash movie toast the festival submit some short films to us we want to see your short films guys we need to see your short films we want to showcase them in quite the festival for all to see i don't know I'm, i i really am pushing to get some more of these entries because we've got some good ones we want to see even more good ones. yeah get through. some more flavors that's for sure yeah spice it up but uh, no, thank you guys for listening. It's always a pleasure to have you guys come and listen. Uh, please like, subscribe, auto-download, leave a review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get this fine That's fucking right. podcast. We really want to hear back from y'all. And interact with us on these social media. We want to hear from you guys. You agree, you disagree, you just want to talk shop, you think we should watch something, you guys, uh, I don't know, anything. Reach out to us, guys. We want to have fun. We want to. That's make right. Yeah. Make sure you all. share the share the show with whoever you think might be interested. Tell your friends. Tell your lovers. Whoever will even listen to you. Tell them too. <laughs> oh yeah. So, all right, guys. Until next week. It's been a pleasure. Of course. You should all stay toasty. So how's everything going with you, man? Everything cool, smooth, copacetic? I don't know why. I was like, <laughs> smooth. Like I didn't know what the fuck I was thinking of. I didn't. Don't get nervous. That's what happens nervous. when I go off page. It's just Movie uh, Toaster Dennis here. Don't don't worry. There, uh, there aren't hundreds of people listening to this download later on, weeks, months after right. we've recorded this. No. There isn't a permanent <laughs> record of this conversation being left out in the ether. That's right. Um, I can say anything. Like, yabba dabba do, I'm Scooby Doo, and nobody will ever hear it. Oh, and I think we found either the cold open or a nice little <laughs> Easter egg for the end. Oh my God. Oh. Uh, Man, uh, well, I'm doing little... well, though. Oh, sorry. Good. I was just trying to answer your question. No, oh, you were answering excuse. my question. I'm like, well, fuck excuse. you. I'm segwaying out of here. We're oh, leaving. Boy.